Welcome to the Lake Point Church Weekend Messages Podcast. Thanks for joining us to hear the latest sermons happening at our church. We pray that God speaks to you in a timely way through this message. And if you're encouraged by this podcast, be sure to rate, review, and share it to help get the word out. You can find more digital content to feed your faith and our other podcasts by visiting lakepoint.church/digital. Now, let's tune into the message for today. question for you. How many of you have bought something only to get home and realize you got far less than you bargained for? I remember a time in my own story, I was a high school kid going to New York City for the very first time. And I was amazed at the sights of New York, Times Square, Central Park. But there was this one area of town that I particularly enjoyed. Now, I was a high school kid, didn't have a whole lot of coin back in the day. Not that I got that much now. Uh, But I remember going to this one particular area of town and they had first-rate goods for dirty cheap. I'm talking like Oakley sunglasses for $6. I can remember my sisters getting 100% genuine, authentic Louis Vuitton purses for like $25. The salesman said they were 100% real. We believed it, right? I remember one particular store that piqued my interest was a DVD store. And you walked in and the walls were covered with DVDs, five DVDs for 10 bucks. And I started looking through them and what I realized was that these weren't old DVDs, these weren't old movies. Some of the titles were actually still in theaters right then. So I started getting as many as I could. This was like a magic shop of DVD extravaganza. So I began collecting all these things. And for those of you who are worried about the legal ramifications of what I did, I have now understood what I was doing was illegal. I have repented and turned away from my sinful ways, okay? But I remember getting home, and one of the DVDs I was excited about in particular was Star Wars Episode Two. I popped that sucker in. I hadn't gotten to see it yet, it was still in theaters. And I could notice once the movie started that something was a little bit off. The camera kept coming in and out of focus that was watching the screen. Little heads would pop up and walk across the screen. But what really keyed it in was when Obi-Wan Kenobi started speaking Portuguese, I knew that something was wrong, y'all. I knew that this DVD was bootleg, that it wasn't the real thing, and that that DVD would never allow me to experience all that George Lucas had intended for his masterpiece. I would never see the, the lightsaber fights the way he intended. I would never get to see Yoda the way that he intended. I had bought a cheap imitation of the real thing. See, today we are in a series in the middle of it about an uncommon characteristics that are present in the life of the believer. And we're gonna talk about uncommon joy today. And what I began to unpack as I began to study about joy is that there's really two different versions of joys out in this world. There's the version that the scripture teaches about that is soul quenching, satisfying. It is always present in the life of the believer. And then there's this other portion of joy that the world teaches about that I'm gonna call the bootleg version today. This is the version that doesn't last. This is the version of joy 
that at the drop of a hat can be gone just as quick as it was there. And I wanna ask that question today, of which version of joy have you bought into? I began to look and say, how could we get joy? And I read some interesting articles about that very thing. That an article said, 11 simple ways to restore joy. Some of my favorites. Live your best life today. It's like the Nike check for joy. Just live your best life and you'll get some joy, right? There was one of them that said, be your own hero. So I got on Amazon and I ordered a mask and a cape and I'm going, gotta spark joy, right? There was one that said, visualize your paradise. Now, true story, I'm reading this article and I'm sitting in our living room. Earlier that day, my dog had gotten sick and vomited on our carpet. We had cleaned it up, but the smell was still remnant of the disaster that had happened earlier. So I'm visualizing in this moment, visualize my paradise. And my mind is picturing Maui and my nose is smelling dead dog in a dumpster. And it just was not bringing the kind of joy that this article had promised. And what I begin to understand is that there is a bootleg version of joy that is getting sold to us as the real thing. And there's some of us in this room that we've bought it. That it's what our desires have begun to want is this bootleg copy of the real thing. I think what we're gonna see in scripture today is that the joy Jesus gives is something far greater than what these externals the world offers. That the joy that Jesus gives is something deep inside. So I recognize that in this series that we're calling Uncommon, these attributes about the Christian life, that there may be some of you seated here right now and you've not made that decision to follow Jesus. That you sit here spiritually disconnected from God for one reason or another and you may be asking yourself, well how could this message, it's about the attributes of a Christian make sense to me? And here's what I want you to know, that if that is you today and you're far from Jesus, I don't know that there's a better message that you could hear. Because here's what we know is that there is desire that has been placed in your soul and you have tried to fulfill it with things other than Jesus. And my guess is that those joys have always let you down. Today, we're gonna be talking about what true joy is. And so if you are far from Jesus, hang tight. Because I wanna tell you about a joy that perhaps all along your soul has been searching for. You see, you can ask yourself the question, what kind of joy have I accepted? And here's a real easy way to know. Has your joy run out? Have you lost it in moments of life? Has the joy that you claim to have held gone whenever trials or troubles jump up in your life? Has that joy fallen away when the new smell wears off, whatever it was that was bringing you joy? And if so, then perhaps you've accepted a bootleg version. If you have a Bible, we're gonna dig in today to 1 Peter chapter one. It's where we're gonna be studying and I want us to see something that Peter begins to unpack about what it looks like to have this inexpressible, glorious joy. 1 Peter chapter one, verse eight. Speaking about Jesus, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and you are filled with an inexpressible, glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. See, what Peter is telling us here is that there is an inexpressible and glorious joy that is a result of us having salvation from Jesus. That what Jesus gives to the life of the believer is this joy that is based in his sacrifice that provided the forgiveness of your sins. I was talking to my buddy Nate this week. I said, man, how would you speak about joy. And he said, oh man, the best illustration I ever heard of joy is that joy is like the current of a river. You think about it. You can't see the current, 
but you can see the power of the current. You drop a boulder into the middle of the river and the current presses the water against so we begin to see the splash and it's present. But that current's also present in the slow meandering river as the leaf guides its way down the path. That the current is a constant and this is the same way that joy is in the life of the believer. That joy is this constant current that is drawing us to Jesus. It's this constant current that's allowing us to see his glory all around us. It's this constant current that in the midst of our trial and our pain never leaves if the water is rough or if the water is calm. And I just wonder if that's the kind of joy that you're experiencing. Is that the kind of joy that you would claim to hold or have you settled for something less? As we keep reading in 1 Peter, we're gonna begin to see the steps that Peter gives to attain this joy. And you think about what joy can do, how joy can change your marriage. How that in the midst of conflict, which your marriage will have, imagine if it was deeply rooted in joy. That you might not walk away from each other saying, I don't know if I can even stay with this person. You might walk away going, man, I disagree, but I love them because Jesus gives me joy to love them. That what would it look like if joy was the centerpiece of your relationships with your friends? That maybe you would be a person that encourages more. Maybe you would be a person that looks for the ways God is using your friends each and every week. What would it change in your soul? If you truly bought in to this real version of joy that Jesus offers, how would it change the way that you walk through life? I think it would change a lot. So we know where Peter is headed to this inexpressible, glorious joy, but let's look at the steps he says to get there. First Peter chapter one, verse three. Now, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You see, this inexpressible and glorious joy is a result of the new life Jesus has given to those of us who know him. That the real version of joy is locked in your identity in Jesus, and it's a living hope. See, we find hope and joy in Jesus because of his resurrection. That the grave is empty, we can find joy. We keep reading in verse four. We have this new birth into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Now, I got a question for you today. What would happen? If this afternoon, you're sitting on your couch, hanging out after church, when all of a sudden you get this phone call, and the voice on the other line lets you know that you used to have a great Aunt Trudy. You didn't know it, but great Aunt Trudy was someone that you, you had in the backstory of your life that you never knew, and she has passed away. But great Aunt Trudy has left for you $100 million. How would you feel? Some of you are like, that's pure joy in the sermon, let's go home, y'all. How would you feel? First off, shame on you that you're not caring more about Aunt Trudy and her passing. But you would feel like you just hit the jackpot. And what Peter is saying is as followers of Jesus, we have hit the jackpot. That we have an inheritance that will not perish, spoil, or fade because it's not earthly, it's heavenly. That this inheritance is something that is a gift to you. And I just wonder, has our joy been found in something that will not perish, spoil, or fade, or has our joy been found in something temporary? 
Has your joy lasted? And see, what I begin to see is that this inheritance is better than 100 million bucks. Because 100 million bucks ain't going with us someday, but this is an eternal inheritance that allows us to continue to see the glory of Jesus. So why do we do it? We know we do it. We settle for less than what God truly intended to offer. Why do we settle for this bootleg version of joy? Perhaps it's because our desires are too easily pleased. That we settle for less than the real thing because our desires are too easily pleased. Listen to what C.S. Lewis writes in The Weight of Glory. Now, it would seem that the Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. You see, we don't sin because our desires are too strong. We sin because they are too weak. That we're not falling into sin because our desires are too strong. We're falling into sin because they're too weak. We don't realize that we are taking the mud pies when the holiday at sea is offered. Now, let's put a little Texas twist on this. That what this is saying, C.S. Lewis, if he were gonna paraphrase it for a Texas audience, he would say that you are choosing cow patties, and if you don't know what a cow patty is, it's not some new kind of hamburger, it's cow poo, all right? That you are choosing cow patties when the filet mignon is being offered. We'll see if that quote ends up on the Lake Point Instagram this week or not, okay? So, that, that we are constantly trading a lesser product and taking it and falling in love with it when God is offering something so much greater. And it gets even worse, that, that our actual desires begin to desire the cow patty. That the allure of the filet mignon is gone because all we can taste is the grossness in our mouth and we want more and more of it, that this is the lie the evil one tells us, that the mud pies or the cow patties will satisfy. And for many of us, we've bought it. That at the root of every sin is buying into this lie that the sin will allow us to see joy in ways that God never could. You think about it, it was a lie that was bought into in the very beginning. And what we're gonna see is that sin always presents a product that it can never deliver upon. The sin promises a product that it can never deliver on. You think about what it looked like in the garden. Back thousands of years ago, as Adam and Eve are standing in this garden of perfection, and the serpent whispers in their ear, hey, look at that tree over there. That's the one you wanna eat from. Yeah, did God really mean what he said? He just didn't want your eyes opened. We know the story, we bit the fruit and sin enters. Sin never delivers the product it's promising. It happened with King David, a champion in scripture, a hero of the faith, yet in a moment of weakness, he stood on a rooftop and he looked across the way and saw a woman bathing, a girl named Bathsheba who was not his wife. And he began to hear this lie, you can have her, you deserve her, you're the king, go get her. She will bring you joy unlike anything God could. This lie is present in the text message that we send to someone that's not our spouse, that we assume that that relationship will bring joy unlike anything that God can offer. It's a lie that lives when we drink the substance 
or we take the pill, that it's a lie at the core of it that says that this substance will give us joy unlike anything that God ever could. It's a lie that our soul has bought that God doesn't care about your joy, that he couldn't possibly provide it. I wanna tell you a story about a man named Wally, and Wally's a good buddy of mine. I've known him for about nine years now. And Wally's at our Forney campus, and he's been around there since we started it, helping us set up and tear down. And I always knew Wally as a friendly, hardworking kind of guy. But about five years ago, we began to notice something changing in Wally's life. We began to see just the joy beginning to be sucked out of who he is. What we found out later was that for 10 months or so, Wally was just an extreme alcoholic. That he woke up thinking about what he could drink, he went to bed thinking about what he could drink. Wally will tell you in that moment of his story that he did not control the drink, but the drink controlled him. Now, praise be to the Lord that this wasn't the end of Wally's story. But his life group gathered around him in his time of need. The church gathered around in his time of need and began to get him the help that he so desperately needed. He got into recovery, he got into rehab. And today, Wally is 1,336 days sober, y'all. Yeah, we can clap for that. And I wanna tell you, that if you come to the Forney campus, you will see Wally, because Wally leads our shuttle ministry, so he is shuttling people from our overflow lot to our building every Sunday morning. And let me tell you that there's something different about Wally now than there was five years ago. Wally's always been friendly, he's always been energetic, but there is a joy inside of that man that could only have come from Jesus. That he is now being fulfilled by the God of this universe and not by some external vice. You see, for Wally, the change came, not just an external smile, but an internal satisfaction as the current of joy drew him back to the Lord. As that current let him taste and see that Jesus is good, that's where Wally is now. And he's different. He's changed because of it. What is it for you? The lie that sin has tried to sell you, the product that sin has tried to sell that can never deliver, what is it for you? the bootleg version of the real thing that Jesus offers. So you gotta begin to understand some things about joy. And I want you to know this, that joy is not based on a circumstance. And this sounds so counter to what the world would pitch. Live your best life now. Well, what about when life gets rough, y'all? What about when the results aren't good at the doctor? How do we live our best life in the face of that? when our joy feels like it ran away. If that's where your joy is, it's a bootleg version. Because joy is not based on a circumstance. Listen to what First Peter says in chapter six. In all of this, this future hope, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. So what Peter's telling us is that God brings purpose to your pain. That God brings purpose to the hardest spots of your life. He's not causing the pain, but he's bringing purpose to it. And we're reminded by this, that joy is not the absence of pain, but it's the presence of Jesus. That, that if you're expecting a life free of pain, that's not what God offers. But he offers the presence of Jesus in the midst of it. There's a story that some of you may remember about my wife Megan and I's story. 
that about five years ago, we were pregnant with our first baby, a little boy named Asher. And for 14 weeks along, it was the normal storybook pregnancy. And then we found out through some tests that our son had severe birth defects and he would not live outside the womb. For the next 17 weeks, my wife carried this baby, feeling him kick and feeling him grow, knowing we would never bring this little baby home. And I remember a couple weeks after our son passed that Greg Bradford, one of the pastors here, just showed the ability to pastor in an incredible way to me and my family. He called me and he said, hey Chris, uh, let's meet for lunch, I wanna check in on how you're doing. Now if you don't know some of Greg and Rebecca's story, they had a little girl named Abby that some almost seven years ago was born with heart defects that were severe. And the doctors didn't know if she would make it. And for a few weeks, in surgery after surgery, Greg and Rebecca were left in limbo not knowing if their little girl would be healthy. Now today she stands as almost a seven-year-old little girl full of energy, full of life. But Greg understood something that was profound. And I remember sitting at lunch with Greg that day and he had tears filled in his eyes. He said, Chris, you cannot see this now. He said, but one day you will look back at this season of life and the intimacy you feel with Jesus, the joy that he carried you through, the ability for God to carry you in your hardest time will be so incredible that you would almost walk that path again. I thought he was crazy at the time. I had no idea that today I would stand here and go, he's absolutely right. That the ability for Jesus to carry you through the moments of pain is where the current of joy begins to flood your soul. That I can look back and see the moments in our story and the hardest moments of our life where we felt intimacy unlike anything I've ever felt before. So much so that I would almost walk through that season again to feel it again. Because joy is not the absence of pain, but it's the presence of Jesus. So that's what's so uncommon, y'all. That in the life of the believer, what's so uncommon about this joy is that it is not based on an external circumstance, it's based in your identity in Jesus. That in the midst of the hardest times of life, his joy is still there. When the water is rough or the water is calm, his joy is still the constant that is flowing in the soul of those who know Jesus. So how do we get it? Why do we take the steps to get there? I think for us to find this joy, we need to understand something about our desires. You know, a lot of times we could think of our desires as kind of this evil thing, that they only draw us to the things that are not of Jesus. But what if we begin to, instead of seeing our desires as evil, we began to see our desires as a gift. That what if we saw how that God has actually implanted desire in your soul for him? And that our desires can draw us to Jesus. That God has placed desire in you so that you would be drawn to him. There was a scripture that I was reminded of as I was prepping for this sermon. It comes from Psalm chapter 37, verse four. And we find out in this scripture that David is an old man when he writes this psalm. And I just wonder if some of his experiences facing Goliath and the Bathsheba moment and all these different stories play into this perspective that he's able to have in Psalm chapter 37, verse four. It says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, I read this scripture for a long time as a believer and I misinterpreted it every time. That I understand the first part, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desire. So if I delight in the Lord, 
what my heart desires, he will give. And so I thought of things like health. That if I delight myself in the Lord, he will give my family health, he will give my wife health, he'll give me health. That if that is my desire and I'm delighting myself in the Lord, that he will give me this. I thought of things like wealth. That my bank account won't run dry if I'm truly delighting in the Lord. That if he's gonna give me the desires of my heart, man, I would love a Porsche. Like that would be awesome, right? The things like power. That if I delight myself in the Lord, he's gonna give me the promotion. He's gonna make my name great. He's gonna let me have great influence if I delight myself in the Lord. But what God really got a hold of me on is going, you've been reading this thing totally backwards. That your desires, if you are delighting in the Lord, will not be for these external fleeting desires. But what will actually happen is that your desires will become more of Jesus. That as we delight in the Lord, it lights up something in us to desire God more and more and more. And what this becomes is the engine to the current of joy in your life. That as we delight in the Lord, it makes us desire him more. I've got a little four-year-old son at home named Cedar. And every time I leave for work, it happened even this morning, he comes up to me and says, hey, Daddy, what are we gonna do when you get home? I say, well, buddy, when we get home, typical work day, I'm gonna get us dinner, we're gonna get fed, we're gonna get your bath, we're gonna play some games, we're gonna wrestle, then you're gonna go to bed. Okay, Daddy, have a good day at work. My wife tells me that as soon as I leave, about every hour, he says, hey, Mommy, is Daddy coming home yet? Hey, Mommy, is Daddy coming home yet? When's he gonna get home? He hears my car pull in, the keys in the door, and I can hear it from the back of the house. Daddy's home! His little footsteps running up the hallway, him jumping up and down in front of the door, and the night commences. We eat, we wrestle, we play games, he goes to bed. The next day, we start the cycle all over again. See, there's a reason my little boy desires me coming home, because he has tasted how good it is once I'm there. He knows when daddy gets home, it's WrestleMania six, right? When daddy gets home, it is that time. His desire is for more of daddy time. This is what scripture teaches, that because we have tasted how good Jesus is, we will begin to desire for more of him that our desires won't be for these bootleg versions of joy, our desire will become this flywheel of delight, that as we delight in him, our desire becomes for more of him, more of him in our marriage, more of him in our friendships, that the churning of this wheel begins to happen, so the engine that is propelling the current of joy in your life pushes you deeper and deeper in love with God. This is the power of delighting in the Lord. So how do we do that? How do we truly delight in the Lord? I think it begins by us spending time with Jesus. You cannot delight in that which you do not know. That we need to begin spending time with Jesus. That's through prayer. You think about this. That God gave us prayer as a gift so that we can talk to him. Think about that for a moment. That we have an open communication line with the God of this universe through the gift of prayer, and how often do we just waste it on, hey, let's pray before our meal, because we're supposed to do that as Christians. Like, this is a moment that we get to be, and keep praying for your meals, okay, that's a good habit, but <laughs> this is a moment that we get to talk to the God of this universe, and he listens and he speaks back to our soul through the Holy Spirit. What an incredible gift. We gotta begin spending time in his word, that the Bible is full of moments that God has already spoken into existence that brings great joy. 
We gotta begin doing these moments and begin being thankful for what God has. You think about this, that if you adapted to an attitude of gratitude, what would that change in the way that your joy is found? That if you begin thanking God for the good times and the hard times, the joy of the Lord will begin to be a current in your soul that can't be stopped. Not only do we need to begin spending time with Jesus, but we need to begin spending time with his people. At Lake Point, we have what are called life groups, and they are a chance for you to get in a group with other people just like you. Did you know that in all life groups, there's a common denominator, that we are all broken, messed up people that have been saved by Jesus, that if you are there, you're in a common place. That there isn't anyone in a life group that's got their stuff all the way together because Jesus is the one who is putting their pieces back together. So what if you got in these groups and these circles of people so that you could be reminded of the joy that God gives? You know, there may even be some of you seated here today and you're at a spot that you've been rubbing shoulders with the people of God and you've noticed something different in their life that you don't have. That maybe you're sitting here disconnected from Jesus but a friend invited you and you've seen something in their story that made you question, why does he have something I don't? And I wanna tell you that if what you're noticing is joy in their life, it ain't a bootleg version. That if you can see it, it's the real deal, that it is God pouring out of them so that you can see him and take notice of how good he is. That maybe the step some of you need to take to get this uncommon joy, to figure out how to delight in the Lord, maybe the step you need to take today is to give your life to him. That if you don't know Jesus, the only joy you will have is a bootleg version. It will never fulfill. But if you know him, it begins to unlock in your soul this fountain of living joy, a current that cannot be stopped. You know, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse two, it says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. The lie the devil wants to tell you is that God doesn't care about your joy yet there could be nothing further from the truth. That God cared enough about your joy that he sent his son to die to provide forgiveness of your sin that would bring you great joy. That that is the message of good news that Jesus gives to you. That this story wasn't just a story for children's books, that it's a story of God sending his son from heaven to earth for you. And if you know how it went, he lived a perfect life and was crucified on the cross where he bled and he died for you. He was put in a tomb, three days later he rose again victorious because we do not serve a dead God, we serve a risen king. Yeah, yeah. And it's a king who desires to know you. He desired it so much that he sent his son so that you could have life. So today, if you have found at the exhaustion of your soul the aiming for joy that would never fulfill, perhaps today you would understand something, that we will keep on trying to fill the gap with a bootleg version when Jesus is offering the real thing to those who know him. So maybe for you today, you need to give your life to him that you realize that all of your desires have been propelling you towards something greater than anything you've imagined before that your desires are drawing you to him. So if that's you today, and you're in a spot that you're ready to give up control, to give your life to Jesus, and allow him to begin pouring in the current of joy into your soul, if that's you, I'm gonna ask something of you. And I'm gonna ask everybody in the room to bow your head and close your eyes right now. But I'm asking if that's you today, and you're in a spot 
that you are ready to give up control and allow God to take over, to ask him to be Lord and Savior of your life. I'm gonna ask you in this moment that you would pray this prayer in your soul. Now, this isn't a prayer you have to pray 20 times for it to take. That we believe it in our hearts, what we are confessing right now to God, and the Bible teaches we will be saved. So if that's you today, and you're ready to receive Christ as your Lord and as your Savior, would you pray this own prayer where you're seated? With every head bowed and every eye closed, would you pray this prayer in your own soul? God, I know that I have sinned. And God, I know that I have accepted less joy than what you offer. And Jesus, right now, I'm asking for you to forgive me of where I have fallen short. I'm asking for you to take control of my life today. And I have a favor to ask of you with every head still bowed and every eye closed. If that was a prayer that you prayed in your heart for the very first time today, I'm gonna ask you to do a physical response to a spiritual decision that you just made. Then in just a moment, I'm gonna count to three. And if that's a prayer that you prayed for the first time today, would you raise your hand high in the air and saying, that is me, I am now a follower of Jesus. I have new life because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If that's you today, on the count of three, would you raise your hand? One, you're loved. Two, you are forgiven. Three, raise your hand right now if that's you, that you just made that decision to follow Jesus. Raise it high, keep them up. Amen. Amen. Can I pray for you right now? God, I pray for these folks in this room that right now have given their life to you. God, that you are a God who gives great joy, that you give life and life in its abundance. And I'm praying right now for those that just made the commitment to follow you, Lord. I pray that as a church, we would get behind them and beside them, Lord, that we would help them see how glorious you truly are. Lord, for those of us in the room that know you, but we have continued to run back to that bootleg version, Lord, I pray that even today, we would put a stake in the ground to delight in you, God, that you would be the desire of our soul more and more of you. It's in Jesus' mighty name that I pray, amen. Thanks for listening today. For more biblical teaching and worship, Join us for our church online live weekend services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. For more information about all the digital ministries of Lake Point, visit lakepoint.church/digital. digital.